My name is Dr. Joshua Knapp. I'm a board-certified clinical psychologist and 21st century Christ follower. Early in life, I experienced overwhelming psychological suffering, which led me down a path of wandering away from the Christian faith in my adolescent years, reminiscent of the lost son in Luke's gospel, returning to my Christian heritage in my early 20s, my own psychotherapy in my mid-20s, and ultimately a life committed to understanding and pursuing psychological and spiritual health as I now head into the middle years of my life. Please join me as we devote each week to better understanding secular and Christian perspectives on mental health and the intersection between psychology and Christianity. Then engage in a 10-minute practice to conclude each episode drawing upon Christian meditation, prayer, and contemplation. Above all else, my aim in this podcast is to journey with fellow Christ followers, as well as those who are curious about the rich heritage of Christian psychological and spiritual insights into the human condition. Doing so with humility and curiosity as we strive to cultivate Christ-likeness in all we do. Hi, I'm Dr. Joshua Nabb, and welcome to the 27th episode of The Christian Psychologist. In this episode, I'd like to talk about what I believe is the most powerful word psychologically, spiritually, and relationally in the Christian life. Surrender. With Christian synonyms such as letting go, submission, and abandonment. Although the word is often negatively used in Western society, especially in the context of power, control, conquest, war, and so forth, I think it is paradoxically one of the words and corresponding practices that can bring 21st century Christ followers the greatest peace, especially in a fallen, broken world. Therefore, I'd like to discuss how psychological and spiritual surrender has been researched as a form of religious coping in the secular psychology literature, then pivot toward a Christian, more broadly, and biblical, more narrowly discussion of surrender. Then conclude with a short practice drawing upon classic Christian spiritual writings. Overall, my hope is that Christian surrender, psychologically and spiritually, can bring Christians added inner peace, given so much of life is spent trying to clutch, control, overpower, manipulate, and dominate. For Christians, though, we are finite and dependent, designed by God to lean on Him, given He is infinitely loving, wise, powerful, and present. And his providential care, or good governance, extends to all of creation. Whether the snail slowly traveling across a porch, to our own inner and outer world, to local, regional, national, and international societal relations. To get us started, I think a few questions are important to consider for 21st century Christ followers. What is surrender? Why is it needed in daily life? What are the ingredients psychologically and spiritually of surrender? What is the relationship between surrender and mental and spiritual health? What is a biblical understanding of surrender? Or what we might call abandonment or self-denial? What might classic Christian spiritual writings have to say about the topic? And lastly, what are some of the ways that 21st century Christ followers can surrender their inner world, whether thoughts, feelings, sensations, memories, or images, or outer world, whether family challenges, work challenges, or community challenges? 
to God for mental and spiritual health, drawing upon historic Christian writings and practices. So to get us started, I'd like to offer a few opening quotes, which I think can help to capture the importance of surrender in daily life. The famous Sufi writer Rumi said, quote, be crumbled. So wild flowers will come up where you are. You have been stony for too many years. Try something different. Surrender. End quote. The famous 20th century Protestant theologian A.W. Tozer once declared, quote, The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. A few centuries prior, the famous reformer Martin Luther suggested, quote, pray and let God worry. And in Matthew, Jesus powerfully declared, quote, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As these quotes reveal, there is something paradoxically freeing about surrendering. Although what or who we surrender to for 21st century Christ followers is key. So in terms of a personal story, before we move on to the secular clinical psychology literature, I can still remember the event vividly. I had just suffered from a traumatizing occurrence in my early 20s, and I was at home in the evening in my studio apartment by myself, struggling to make sense of how I was going to go on. Although I'll spare you the details of the event, I had just experienced a huge loss which meant my life would be significantly altered for the next several years in ways I could never have imagined prior. This particular evening, I was struggling with vivid, intrusive memories of the event, along with a deep sense of depression stemming from a loss of hope and anxiety about an unknown future. Although my relationship with God was unstable at best this evening, I remember crying out to God, pleading with him to take away the pain and somehow remove the event from my life. After a short period of time, I could remember coming to grips with the reality that I was needed to face, needing to face in the situation, not running from it, and my prayers to God began to change. Rather than petitioning for God to either take away the event which was not possible, or somehow make the consequences for the event go away, I began to surrender to God, simply asking that he be with me in the loss, hurt, and sense of hopelessness. Gradually, I felt a peace like I had not felt before, since I, quote, hit rock bottom, end quote, like the self-help saying goes. As the evening progressed, I felt God's loving presence, as well as a sense that no matter what would happen, I would persevere because I was determined to yield to God's will, not my own. This experience, although painful, helped me to recognize the power in surrender, relinquishing a false sense of control, a false sense of self, and instead letting go and turning my entire self and will to God, to align with God's will. Although certainly scary, there was a transcendent sense of equanimity and tranquility, maybe even inner stillness, in this yielding posture, on my knees before my Creator, 
that was almost indescribable on that day. Based on this experience, along with my subsequent research and writing on surrender and my interaction with surrender in the secular psychology literature, I'd like to focus on the topic in this episode. So as we turn to secular psychology, surrender is really about letting go, with its opposite being control. For us as humans, we understandably want to control things, with a loss of control being a scary experience because it may mean we're in danger and our future is uncertain. In other words, control is definitely important on at least some level for survival, whereas surrender, especially in the context of war, interpersonal relationships, and so forth, can mean we may end up being abused, hurt, or put in danger in some way, and it may jeopardize our survival. Famously, surrender has been used in self-help communities, such as Alcoholics Anonymous, via Step 3 of the 12 Steps, and has been used for decades, letting go of sense that we have power and relinquishing control to a higher power in the context of addictions. So, after admitting we're powerless over the addiction, then accepting there is a higher power we relinquish control to, and, and actually surrender the addiction to the higher power. So step three is a huge step in the 12 steps in that we are prior to acknowledging we cannot control, cannot control on our own the problem. Then we acknowledge a higher power beyond ourselves, and then we actually surrender to that higher power and surrender the addiction to that higher power. In fact, all over the internet, whether drawing upon religious or secular sources, self-help or professional sources, surrender is now often at least viewed as positive. In the contemporary psychology literature too, surrender has been proposed as an actual style of coping for responding to the stressors of life. To cope means to, according to the American Psychological Association's Dictionary of Psychology, use, quote, cognitive and behavioral strategies to manage the demands of a situation when these are appraised as taxing or or exceeding one's resources or to reduce the negative emotions and conflict caused by stress. So we try to cope and we use all kinds of ways of coping when we actually have something in our environment where we perceive it to exceed our resources to cope with it or we want to reduce the negative emotions and conflict caused by the stress. And so as one type of coping, religious coping means to, quote, utilize faith in the management of stress and problems of life. And then to slice this a bit thinner, surrender is a form of religious coping coming to us from many world religions and including the Christian tradition. So what does it mean to use religious or spiritual surrender, including self-surrender, which is often seen as negative in our individualistic, self-focused society, which prioritizes personal control often above all else? What does it mean to see self-surrender as a coping strategy to manage both the external, such as relational stress or financial stress or job stress, and internal, such as distressing thoughts, feelings, sensations, images, and memories, difficulties of life. 
In terms of definitions, one author in the secular psychology literature defines surrender as, quote, facing a final act of giving up, an ultimate letting go of all previously held doctrines, beliefs, and conceptions of self, end quote. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, self-surrender is, quote, the giving up of oneself or one's will to some feeling or influence. Its opposite, control, is defined by the APA Dictionary of Psychology as, quote, authority, power, or influence over events, behaviors, situations, or people. So what happens when we have a stressor in life and we end up using surrender as a form of coping, wherein we give up authority, power, over or influence, and instead yield this influence, yield this authority, yield this power to someone or something else, for Christians, that being God. In terms of the ingredients of religious or spiritual surrender, including self-surrender, According to the authors of the Surrender Scale, again, a form of religious coping in the psychology literature, it was developed with Christian community adults in mind. The Surrender Scale has several ingredients to actually measure Christian self-surrender. And it's derived from, influenced by, Jesus' teachings on and modeling of dying to self, losing oneself to find oneself, and surrendering to the will of the Father. So in the Gospels, we see these things modeled after, taught by Jesus. And so it becomes important for Christians to consider what surrender looks like in our own lives, given it was modeled to us by Jesus. So what are the ingredients An active choice to surrender one's will to God's rule, quote-unquote, not a, quote, passive waiting for God to solve all problems. So there's an active choice to surrender. It's not as though we're forced. It also involves, quote, putting God's understanding above one's own, end quote, or, quote, submitting to God's way, end quote, when trying to come up with solutions to problems. Surrender, from a Christian perspective, or more broadly, religious perspective, also involves implementing God's plans, not our own, viewing troubles as experiences that God uses for God, which means giving thanks to God for them. Also being strong in God, not in oneself, and turning to God's direction when in stress. Other ingredients include, quote, both the individual and God are active in solving the problems. And, quote, when one's solution differs from God's, God's way is followed, end quote. So really we are, quote, seeking God's will and acting upon it, not our own. We're pivoting from a self-derived to God-derived understanding and pivoting from self to other, capital O, other meaning God. And really... Religious surrender or spiritual surrender or religious and spiritual self-surrender from a Christian perspective is characteristic of Jesus in Matthew 26, 39, stating, really, not as I will, but as you will to the Father. So Jesus modeled this for us so that we can also surrender to God. So self-surrender includes sacrifice and submitting to God's will, a letting go of what one 
wants, a shifting from self-control to God-control, which of course can be scary for Christians in a highly individualistic society that says you are at the center. Yet it can be the secret to peace and happiness. As the work Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, written several centuries ago, suggests. And as Abandonment to Divine Providence, another famous Jesuit work from several centuries ago, which I'll be talking about in this podcast, suggests. So really we have the ability to control, or at least we think we do, And we can use this control to paradoxically give it up in favor of submitting to God's control, given he is infinitely loving, wise, powerful, and present. So religious self-surrender is really about recognizing that God is Lord over the Christian's life, which means Christians are to follow him wherever he wants us to go. He's the leader, in other words, and we're his followers. He's at the center, not us, and we're part of his plan, not the other way around. We're infinitely dependent, and he is infinite and, I'm sorry, we are finite and dependent, and he is infinite and independent, although he has invited us to fellowship with him because of our union with Christ. So ultimately, with religious in general and Christian in particular self-surrender, We're letting go of personal control to acknowledge and depend on God's control, which can paradoxically give us the peace we're looking for when we really originally strive for self-control, independence, and autonomy. So instead of continuing to clutch or grip whatever is in front of us, we relinquish it so that we can instead really discern what God's will is for our life. In terms of empirical research, research in the psychology literature has revealed that religious surrender, or we might call it spiritual surrender, or self-surrender as a coping style, is positively correlated with well-being and negatively correlated with anxiety and stress. So what this means is when we give people surveys or measures or questionnaires related to surrender as a Christian form of coping, and we also give them measures of well-being, anxiety and stress, when people endorse more of an emphasis on surrender, they're likely to also endorse well-being and less likely to endorse anxiety and stress. In terms of interventions to improve surrender, which can in turn improve mental health, spiritual health, as is the case with many interventions in secular clinical psychology to improve psychological symptoms and suffering, mindfulness meditation is quite popular, given its emphasis on non-judgmental, detached awareness of the present moment. So, no matter what experiences, whether pleasant or unpleasant, thoughts, feelings, sensations, memories, or images emerge in the inner world, we can just notice them with an open curiosity, rather than trying to cling to them or attach to them or try desperately to make them go away. So if we're mindful of our emotions, we're just noticing sadness, fear, anxiety, anger, and so forth, including their possibly perceived location, where do we feel them in the body, what do we we experience them in terms of a size or texture or color or shape and so on. Like a curious scientist who is looking at a new cell under a microscope for the first time. So we're trying to surrender or accept 
instead of control or avoid these emotional experiences. So I might have the experience of anxiety and I might feel it in my chest. It might seem fairly large, uh, you know, rough as a texture. The color might be blue. The shape might be round and so on and so forth. And I'm describing this experience with non-judgment. And over time, we're learning to relate to the inner world dispossessively, which is a kind of surrender. Although we're not surrendering necessarily to a deity in particular, or a higher power in particular. Instead, this is an individualized experience, not relational. As another quick example, loving-kindness meditation that comes to us from Buddhism and is quite popular in the secular clinical psychology literature involves repeating mantras that increase compassion, love, and equanimity, among other positive emotional experiences, as we let go of hate, anger, and so on and so forth. This practice starts with mantras directed to the self, such as, may I be free from suffering and at ease than others, as in may so-and-so and so-and-so of a person be free from suffering and at ease, whether that's a family member or coworker or somebody maybe I'm not getting along with. So this, like mindfulness meditation, seems to have an element of surrender in that we're relinquishing our grip on unpleasant experiences like anger, hatred, or other unhelpful emotions that are barriers to self and other compassion and oneness with others in the universe from a Buddhist perspective. On the other hand, with religious or spiritual surrender coming out of the monotheistic religions of the world, we are letting go in order to prioritize God's will, not our own. So surrender is relational, not individual or individualized. Here, the idea is that God's will is perfect, given he loves us, knows all scenarios for our life and chooses the best one, has the power to carry out the best one, and is present with us to see it through. Worded another way, we travel from our imperfect will to God's perfect will via a bridge of relational faith and trust, believing in God's infinite goodness, wisdom, power, and presence. So, building on this understanding, the various world religions in their own ways describe the benefits of self-surrender in contrast with control. Given that control is simply not possible and leads to added suffering, we cannot control everything in this world despite our best efforts. So in Buddhism, one of the three marks of existence is that the self is an illusion, along with the notion that life is suffering and everything is impermanent. So, from a Buddhist perspective, clinging to an impermanent, illusory self can cause added suffering. Non-attachment, therefore, is a solution, which can be cultivated via mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness meditation being an insight meditation to gain awareness of these three marks of existence. So, we are surrendering this idea of an individual self to pursue oneness and to ameliorate suffering. In Christianity, religious and spiritual self-surrender is an approach to all of life with synonyms such as self-denial, self-renunciation, self-relinquishment, abandonment, and the like. Jesus famously declared in the Gospels that we can find our life if we lose it, paradoxically. 
The famous Jesuit work, Abandonment to Divine Providence, emphasizes the importance of yielding to God's will in the present moment, which is key in the Christian life. As does the other famous Jesuit writing, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. So two key Jesuit writings from several centuries ago, Abandonment to Divine Providence, and then separately, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, each in their own way make the case for surrender with a synonym abandonment. So in this remainder of the episode, I'd like to discuss the role that surrender plays in the Christian life, letting go of our own control and pursuit of our own will, which is flawed, misguided, and confused oftentimes, given we pursue all of the wrong things as finite fallen human beings, and exchanging our own will for the will of God, who is infinitely loving, wise, powerful, and present, and revealing his perfect will in the here and now. From a mental health perspective, we can find tremendous peace in letting go of control, reminiscent of relinquishing the grip we have on whatever we have convinced ourselves we need outside of God's perfect will, and instead simply sitting at Jesus' feet like Mary and Luke's gospel as we surrender the moment to him. So, turning to Christianity, in the context of the Christian faith tradition, abandonment is used as a synonym for letting go, giving over, or surrendering. This word, according to the Upper Room Dictionary of Christian Spiritual Formation, became quite popular in the 17th century. To quote the Upper Room Dictionary further, quote, Biblical words such as surrender, faith, belief, and trust reflect the idea of abandonment. Jesus says, quote, If any want to become followers of mine, they let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, from Matthew 16, 24. This deliberate turning away from self-interest, identifying fully with Jesus, and following him faithfully through one's life is definitive of being abandoned to God. It is putting God's will before anything else. The depth of this teaching becomes clearer as we progress in faith. Abandonment is a continual God-empowered choice, a desire to please only God, a choice that shapes what we are and do, end quote. Continuing on with the dictionary here, quote, Abandonment attempts to answer the question of how to relate to God with the answer. Surrender your mind and heart to God. Trust completely in God's unknown providence and be confident that God will guide you safely through the dark maze of life to the eternal kingdom. The goal of abandonment is to be like Christ. End quote. Also, according to the Upper Room Dictionary, abandonment and surrender captures a, quote, renunciation or surrender of human effort in favor of dependence on God's hidden providence in the present moment of life. Abandonment emphasizes the nearness of God beyond the senses and beyond logic. So faith produces joy, confidence, and a desire to help others. Abandonment accepts the trials of life as well as peaceful times as expressions of God's will. This is not fatalism, but an attempt to cope with pain by going through it. Dependence on God is its own reward, and God is to be praised for who God is, not what God gives. End quote. So God is not an instrument in the service of our unhappiness, but is an end in and of himself. 
Here, with these powerful and astutely wise quotes, we can see that psychological and spiritual health within historic Christianity involves a courageous letting go, a courageous surrender, given what God wants us to depend on Him because we're finite and made for Him. And the alternative, human control, does not work since we are fallen and live in a fallen world and abandonment and control can help us to ultimately worship and praise God even in the midst of trials and suffering without somehow trying to use God as a mere stepping stone towards pleasure or earthly reward or fleeting happiness. So to be abandoned to divine providence is to move toward greater Christian maturity as we more and more are sanctified by the Holy Spirit to be more like Christ, who is the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. To offer one more quote from the Upper Room Dictionary of Christian Spiritual Formation, quote, abandonment as understood by its advocates seems especially fitted for times of stress. It recognizes the world as a dark place, God as a real, though hidden presence, and spiritual life as inexplicable in conventional ways. It challenges us to give up self-promotion and self-justification and confronts us with our weaknesses and sins, pointing us to a God who is faithful in steadfast love. End quote. So, at the end of the day, We surrender to God because, as 1 John states, God is love. And the Christian life is really, simply put, about moving from justification or being made right with and reconciled to God because of our belief in and union with Christ, to sanctification or becoming holy and more like Christ, to glorification or being face-to-face with God in heaven someday with no more tears or suffering. In the Bible, as mentioned prior, we read in the Gospels that we are to take up our cross and follow Jesus, and that, paradoxically, to find ourselves, we must lose ourselves. We also read, based on Jesus' example, that we are to be like Jesus in self-emptying and becoming a servant. And finally, we read that, based on Jesus' examples in the Gospels, we are to surrender our will to the will of the Father. Although probably the scariest prayer in existence for Christians is, not my will, but your will be done, it is paradoxically something that brings with it the greatest reward. As James says in the New Testament, quote, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So, in persevering, in loving God, in surrendering to God's will, in an act of love, and to surrender to the God of love, we end up, will, will end up receiving the crown of life. But how exactly do we cultivate this attitude and posture of abandonment to God's will in the present moment, especially when we're faced with inner struggles or outer adversities in a fallen, broken world? Well, in Abandonment to Divine Providence, which has been modernized with the title The Joy of Full Surrender, the Jesuit author Jean-Pierre de Cassade, writing several centuries ago, states that to be holy is to be faithful to God's will, which is revealed in the present moment. In this famous work, the author points to both active and passive faith 
given both are needed in the Christian life. Quote, active faithfulness means fulfilling the duties that are ours by the general laws of God and the church or by particular state uh, or by our particular state of life. Passive faithfulness consists in the loving acceptance of all that God sends us each moment. End quote. He goes on to state, quote, the passive aspect of faithfulness is easier still, since it consists only of accepting what most frequently cannot be avoided and in bearing with love, consolation, and sweetness what we too often endure with weariness and irritation, end quote. So what is the goal of the Christian life? According to the author, quote, the designs of God, the good pleasure of God, the will of God, the action of God, and the gift of his grace are all one and the same thing in the spiritual life. It is God at work in the soul to make it like himself. Perfection is nothing more or less than the faithful cooperation of the soul with this work of God. End quote. The author further states, quote, Although God's action is infinite in its power, it can take full possession of our souls only insofar as we are empty of all confidence in our own action, end quote, which is where a Christian self-surrender comes in. So we are a dwelling place for God's love in the present moment. Our job then is to let go of our own self-preoccupations and pivot towards God, God's perfect will and love right here and right now. To offer one more quote from this work, quote, Thus, seeing only God in all things, we must take or leave them all as he pleases, so as to live, to be strengthened, or to hope only by what he ordains, and never by any power or virtue that does not come from him, end quote. But how do we shift ourselves to God? including a preoccupation with ourselves at the center to God at the center, who offers us his perfect love. Per de Cassade, quote, A soul can be nourished, strengthened, purified, enriched, and made holy only by, holy, only by the fullness of the present moment. What more would you have, since you can find all that is good here? Why search for anywhere else? End quote. Or, to be more succinct, quote, perfection consists in complete surrender to the will of God, end quote, with God's will, including his love for us. So by surrendering ourselves to him, it's as though we're trading in our own finger painting as a child for a Van Gogh. For God's will is perfect, whereas our own will is messy at best like a child's finger painting. To move from an abstract knowledge of surrender and abandonment to God's love, de Cassade advocates for the following, quote, Abandonment will cost you no more than to do what you're doing, to suffer what you are suffering. It is only your heart that must be changed. When I say heart, I mean the will. Holiness, then, consists in willing all that God wills for us. Yes, Holiness of the heart is a simple let it be, a simple conformity of the will with the will of God. So to summarize, the Christian life is about surrendering or abandoning to God's will because God is love and his will is perfect, whereas our will is fallen and leads us astray.
For Dick Assad, the present moment is where God is revealing his providential will and plan. And because of this, it is our job to simply surrender to it with a passive faith. The Christian life, therefore, consists of an active faith with church attendance, fellowshipping with other believers, Bible reading, prayer, meditation, and the like, as well as a passive faith, which which consists of, once we have engaged in the basics of our active faith, surrendering the rest in the present moment to the God of love. This two-pronged strategy, actively living out our faith in simplicity and devotion, and passively surrendering the rest to the God of love, can help us to cultivate Christian mental health as well as Christian spiritual health, since we're learning to rest in God's loving arms in the here and now through the simple and powerful act of surrender, a let-it-be attitude and posture which we will practice next. So to conclude this episode, I'd like us to practice self-surrender as a coping strategy for both the outer challenges and adversities of life that we cannot change and our inner struggles, such as difficult thoughts, feelings, sensations, memories, and images. In this practice, we will be drawing upon the insights gained from both the secular psychology literature and religious coping, as well as abandonment to divine providence, written several centuries ago and turning into a bestseller among Christians because of its simple message. We can lovingly surrender to God's will in the present moment, which is the antidote to living in a fallen, broken world. So to begin, find a quiet location, free from distractions, sitting up straight in a supportive chair, closing your eyes and placing your hands on your lap with your palms facing outward and upward as a symbol of your willingness to surrender to God right here and now in an act of love. Next, begin to notice your God-given breath in this moment. God has blessed you with an autonomic nervous system, which means you can just notice God's gift to you, your breath, without trying to control it in any way. To simply notice your breath means you are recognizing that God is in control of your life, giving you life through giving you breath. Now, simply introduce in love and gentleness the phrase, let it be. Drawn from abandonment to divine providence, which captures your willingness to yield to God's will in the present moment, right here and now. So whatever arises in the inner world, whether a pleasant or unpleasant experience, or outer world, whether a sound or smell, just notice it before gently returning to the phrase, let it be, which symbolizes your loving, yielding posture before God, reminiscent of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet in the Gospel of Luke, reminiscent of full abandonment, full surrender to God's loving, perfect will. It's an act of trust, an act of faith, as you learn to yield to, surrender to God. Again and again, slowly, softly, and interiorly say to yourself, let it be as you rest in God's love in this very moment, letting go of the grip 
or the tug of war you have over your inner world and all the adversities that are relentless in the outer world. Let it be. And because God is with you, revealing himself and his will to you right now, there is nothing else to do and nowhere else to be. Let it be. Surrendering your will to God's, even if you don't fully understand what his will for you is right now. Let it be an act of faith and trust in God's goodness and wisdom and power and presence. Let it be. Stepping out in faith and trusting that God is with you and revealing his will to you via his love and the depths of your being, even if you do not fully know what it is right here and now. Let it be. Anchoring yourself to the present moment right here and right now. Let it be. Again and again, an act of trust, an act of faith, as you trade in your own will for God's in this very moment, let it be. Sink deeply into the peace that comes from sitting at Jesus' feet with nowhere else to be and nothing else to do as you trade in, as you surrender, as you abandon your own will, which is flawed and imperfect, for God's perfect loving will for you right now. Let it be. And as this practice comes to a close, Thank God for loving you in this very moment. And like the author of Abandonment to Divine Providence, pursue a passive faith combined with an active faith to allow God to fill you with his Holy Spirit so he dwells in every room of your proverbial home, not just a guest room, not just the basement, not just the attic so that God's Holy Spirit and God's love extends to every room of the home. And as you open your eyes again, commit to bringing this practice with you into your day with a let-it-be attitude, a let-it-be heart, a let-it-be posture before God that prioritizes God's love and will above your own given he is perfect and we, as fallen, struggling human beings, simply are not. And as we conclude this episode, my hope is that you were able to recognize and practice the act of surrender, or also called abandonment, as a defining, paradoxically effective strategy in the Christian faith for pivoting from our own self-preoccupations in the inner world and outer world to God's perfect love and will which will bring us peace like nothing else, even in the midst of the struggles that are inevitable in daily life. Please join me again for another episode of The Christian Psychologist. Thank you.